0: How you doing oh man i i'm doing okay just you know sort of figuring some stuff out and okay you know we're kind of making some um certain life decisions for the long run of what should we do should we do this and do that um not really you know correlates with uh cryptozoology and filmmaking but it's sort of like you know we're at this point where we kind of want to do what we want to do and see if we're capable of doing it mm-hmm. so it's, it's there's a lot of possibilities and just kind of you know yeah just figuring things out i can
1: really relate to that actually um i think this is since this summer it's the first time since i started doing this that i made it my solo i've made it an official company i've made it my solo job yeah without uh engaging in other you know Contracts that we do in healthcare and other things like that—I've stopped them all. I'm right. doing this, and finally, the fear is kind of creeping in. Whereas before, it was kind of well—you know—I could just do a three-month or six-month contract, go back and do some filming, write another book, etc., yeah. etc. No harm, no foul. Doesn't matter if nobody likes it or if it doesn't work out. And now I'm kind of like, oh, I better stop being nice to these guys. I really nice. I really need them to buy my stuff. And um, it does affect your output in a way, sometimes, or at least how you uh, how you start to present your output. It, it, that's the well. That's the main fear. My main fear is it will affect how I present my output. And then uh, this sure. rebellious side comes in and says, "No, you're going to get it just the same and like it still."
0: <laughs>
1: These two sides are
0: like battling away. So I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. You know, but right. And in in life, it's like you know, every decision you're going to make. Is like- <clears throat> fear and you know all the greats of whatever field you want to name do things because there's always fear that it's going to block that you know destination but Mm. they get the destination regardless so it's like you're, you're on good shoulders i guess yeah
1: basically they're taking a walk down alligator alley it says alligator alley the sign at the front they're on foot and uh yeah, there are definitely dangers, but if you get to the end, you know, there's a pot of gold or who knows, a burger shack or whatever it was you were looking to find in the first place. Of and uh yeah, that's that's the hope. And if it all bottoms out for both of us, we'll just go back to work. Easy peasy. Right. <laughs> Easy know, peasy. What's what's the what's the risk? You know, work will always be there. It will always be there. Always mm. be there. Staring you in the face. Yeah, it'll be there and they'll say, Hey Jordan, long time no see. Welcome back to work. Here we go again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, look, I became aware of you when you were working with our our esteemed uh, colleague, dearly missed, uh, Scott Mardis. Right. And um, and I also know that you did a bit of work uh, with Carrick as well during the uh, release of the Bodette film about this famous bit of footage, or at least you were present for that, some of the recording there with Scott. And uh, I, I remember Cryptid Hunt as well uh yeah because i'm always perusing the internet trying to find little sort of snippets that people are doing about and i really enjoyed those on youtube and uh i just thought let's have a chat about that about those types of cryptos those experiences with scott and everybody else what you make of it today you know thoughts on the great man himself uh it's almost two years on i I don't even know how long it's been Uh, and um yeah. And just everything else going forward. I know that you're a director of and an actor also of ever movie. So let's, let's talk about that as well. Let's talk about, um, I, I haven't seen it. The Wilderness Night. Um, I like the, I, I really like the concept of it. I love this whole thing. Man fights through his own psychological and spiritual madness when his guilty past is shadowed by a religious cult leader. You know, I'm somebody that has a lot of church experience. Mm. um now uh all these years later still uh, an avid believer but um you do encounter various characters within the religious sphere that have um i'm gonna say fetishes 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 a fetish particular different types of fetish for certain types of guilt and finger pointing which is not necessarily either christian or jewish or anything else you know a a, a religious concept you know love forgiveness all that stuff so i saw the title of that movie and i thought i think i already get what's going on here (laughs) i (laughs) already figured this out
0: right well that the wilderness thing too that was i mean that's a whole nother topic but i I guess we can try to sort of Mm. squeeze everything together because in a sense you know where i am right now on my walk with everything regarding interests, hobbies, career, and, you know, mindset, you know, it all sort of correlates with each other. You know, with The Wilderness Night, that was a project that sort of came from, and I don't want to sort of, you know, get off topic a little bit, but that sort of came from, yeah, just sort of very toxic beliefs and perceptions of the world. You know because i i grew up catholic you know mm. really just well, not do it all right yeah, yeah yeah but you know <laughs> go i would i i grew up like you know first grade kindergarten in a catholic school you know we went to church you know so sort of acknowledged you know god and everything mm. but didn't really think much of it and then over time you know went to sunday school every you know sunday and did, did the whole, you know, rituals. So, but it, again, it, nothing really, you know, touched the being of my soul, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, long story short, you know, I kind of came to a place where I, without, without religion, without, you know, a scripture, without a pastor or priest telling me anything, I, I, I came to a place where I genuinely felt something. I think it was the divine However, you want to interpret that. And when I saw a lot of fruit that was flourishing in my life and be and then I started becoming part of the institution, they really just injected me with a lot of guilt-ridden concepts, concepts that really altered just my way of thinking, which turned into trauma. Mm.
2: And,
0: you know. It just kind of spawned into this ghastly, distorted perception of viewing everything as evil, sinful, darkness, horrific, you know, feeling that with hellfire, end of the world, you know, end times theology that it just kind of brought me to a place where I can't win everything is against me (laughs) and you're trying so hard to you know be embedded and you know following the rituals Mm. and the system but but then you come to a point where your body itself your mind and your body is fighting Mm. against that system even though they're telling you this is how it is this is what it's supposed to be but then your whole entire being is saying no We have to reject this in order to survive and thrive. So I'm like, well, what is this? This is telling me this because they're using fear manipulation, but my Mm -hmm. body is saying something else. Like it's reacting to the poison and Mm -hmm. it's sort of cleansing my body. You know, it's giving me a fever, I would say, because Mm -hmm. of all those teachings. So yeah, long story short, that kind of birthed into the wilderness night where I wanted to you know, make a film about that type of experience. And, you know, it, it was a film that took like, maybe f- gosh, four or five years. And again, it, th- there were so many different ways of sort of bringing the picture mm-hmm. um, to the screen. But I, I found a story where I, I thought that, you know, it should be a lot about your own personal experience because with any writer artist filmmaker whatever you know your personal experiences your personal insights mm. are bring, being brought to the screen yeah and the greatest fulfillment is seeing somebody else reacting to what you've experienced and Absolutely. that's the greatest joy
2: mm. <laughs> in
0: the world and you know and, of course, during COVID, that, when the film was finished, you know, a lot of people were at home, and I, I I, felt like it didn't really make a necessary impact as I wanted it to. But, you know, we, we won a few film awards, which was great, and it obviously taught me a lot. But then at the same time, you know, I, I was kind of thinking, what should I do next? And during COVID... I started to get back into the cryptozoology field because of course, I've always been interested in it Mm. as, I mean, Godzilla, King Kong, you know, like like most people like that's, that's what brought me into it. And I remember coming home from my dad or coming home from my friend's house. My dad was on the couch watching something Mm. on the history channel about the Loch Ness monster. And I'm like, what is this about? And I started watching it. And then these images, it was the two, uh, I don't remember what the name is, but you might know what, what this is. It's the two plesiosaurs painting underneath like that brown, golden, murky water. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and I saw that image. I'm mm. like, wow. And I was just glued to the screen thinking that this could be a possibility. And then this is the early days of the internet. So this is like, what, 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just kind of went arrived in everything I could on the Loch Ness Monster and then of course Bigfoot came up Mothman came up and then it just became a smorgasbord of like wow these things might actually exist mm-hmm. and that, the, the child in me the little exploration child mm-hmm. was just was so excited to get involved and from that moment on you know I, I wanted to make my own show like it was an instant where after I got into this field, and I should mention this too, the first crypto show that I actually watched was, I believe it was season four of Animal X on Animal okay, Planet. Okay, that was a great show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like, I love Animal and, X, yeah. yeah. Uh, that host who really took, <laughs> tried to do a lot of the introductions, really caught your your, your mm. eye. Um, and that was cool because I'm like, wow, there there's actually... You know an audience of people that are into this as well mm. and then watching that show and then there were others like is it real on national geographic mm-hmm. which took a more skeptical approach but yeah. i still enjoyed it i like i liked the the type of production they made um another show is like on the travel channel there was uh, weird travels which was one of my favorites um and then just kind of watched everything I can. I started um using my VHS tapes to record. I used to use VHS in the old days and was recording every program and documents.
1: Absolutely awesome. Yeah. Man. Well, yeah. great way to preserve it as well. You know, they're
0: really hardy. They last a long time. Right. Yeah. And they're I think they're still maybe in my parents' house somewhere in the basement, wow. but we never labeled i don't know why we never labeled anything on oh that
1: would be a really two (laughs) three hundred tapes right i had something like
0: yeah and i destroyed a lot of tapes too with Mm. a lot of rewinding and fast forwarding but (laughs) that was that was the you know sort of growing up and getting Mm. into zoology but also filmmaking as well and that sort of thing so yeah, it kind of all connects.
1: Well, so. I think that's a, it's a, it's a great journey. And it's great to know that a lot of those programs, uh, really stuck with people. For me, it was, um, when I mean, you know, a little bit older. It was, uh, sort of first, some first time, I, I think shows of Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World and reruns of, uh, Leonard Nimoy's In Search of and, and things mm-hmm. like that. That really sort of first grabbed me in. But that period that you're talking about, you know when monster uh, uh monster x and all these other programs were on i think that was like the first revival period and that kind of thing actually led on to things like finding bigfoot and other shows which actually wouldn't be around now if it wasn't for that small revival that happened in the early noughties right. you know, this and with history channel and uh, perhaps a bit of travel to other people like that doing these things and I even wonder, would there even be conferences now or anything going on at all? Or would we just be going to, you know, to Maine once a year to Lauren Coleman's international cryptozoology conference? There'd be like 200 people there who are really, really into the subject, but no one else. And it seems to have made uh, an arena in which we can all get involved. I mean, what's your opinion on that? Do you think there's, there's scope for uh, a wider, wider group of filmmakers and researchers to actually jump Into these subjects and start creating good content?
0: Yeah, well, I've noticed now, especially maybe even like 2015, 2016, I started noticing that, you know, and and I've I've always had like certain high points where I'm really into the subject, and then there's times, weeks, Mm. months, years where I'm just like, oh, whatever. And I've noticed, especially in, in the past, yeah, like 10 years, it's really taken off mm. pop culturally. Like it's been in the pop culture, mm. you know, spectrum, but now I see it everywhere. I see a Bigfoot cutout every, you know, street I go on almost. I see a Bigfoot bumper sticker on someone's mm. car, or, you know, front or back. You know, I, I remember, I t- I think this was during COVID too. I, I asked my wife, we're going to go to a certain park. Let's count how many Bigfoot cutouts we see. oh really we saw four in a in a park yes in a park <laughs> so well not not in the park but like like driving towards yeah the and like, sorry yeah <laughs> yeah see, seeing the just different, different um like houses and neighborhoods having, Wow. Having these different cutouts and i'm just like oh my gosh but even even with the documentary like feel too i've noticed too that's really taken off mm. especially on youtube and amazon mm where i mean even today i was sort of just kind of refreshing my mind on certain topics and i noticed just there's just so many bigfoot documentaries which mm, is odd, even the most ab- abstract you know stories and legends which is in itself interesting but it's i i sort of take it now as it's sort of like Marvel Comics, even with the Comic Cons. We're that in that
1: Marvel universe stage <laughs> of the Bigfoot story. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Like we have Cryptid Con. Mm. Now mm. every single state has a Bigfoot conference. Even mm. twenty minutes from my house, they have oh 20, 40 minutes, they have um a Bigfoot conference mm. called the Taco Lake Bigfoot Expo. And I think that was started in twenty twelve, but I'm like, it's everywhere now. Mm. Everywhere. So and there's it's like a double-edged sword where it's great because, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, embarrassment because of these taboo subjects. Mm. At the same time, I think it's maybe, and I know I'm sort of stepping on a few people's toes mm. because a lot of people come from the very strict biological mindset, but then there's others that like the mystery of it too. Mm. And I kind of, I'm on more of the mystery side because it kind of loses its flavor sort of where it's not as mysterious it's not as i mean it, it is but it, mm. it's once you start seeing everyone sort of taking a piece of the pie you know it, it's like mm. well okay, just crack open
1: a tin of my bigfoot coffee here yeah. <laughs> to my bigfoot cooler with my bigfoot brown sugar
0: right um, yeah and
1: taking my bigfoot supplements you know my exactly. mns yeah
0: yes yeah, yeah. and yeah. i and I think it seemed like Finding Bigfoot was sort of yeah. the what really started it all. And, you know, I like to go back to like Monster Quest because that mm. was a show that I was really inspired yeah, by. Yeah, I
1: love Monster Quest. Yeah. To
0: the yeah. point where I, you know, it was my, my projects were almost like a carbon copy, but just because I was inspired by it. I it's was really hard inspired.
1: not to emulate parts of that show because they? they had such a wide coverage. Yeah. really i mean how are you not going to cover at least something that they covered they did of course it was like 60 episodes something like that right. all over the world and at some point you're going to have to
0: cover that ground again and that's that's just the way it is right yeah and you know being 15 years old there's only so much i can do because i'm at the mercy mm-hmm. of begging my dad to drive me <laughs> to certain places and thank god like he i i asked him one day i'm like dad like why did why did you like do this for me like why did you let me why did we go to all these places it's like well, oh, i knew it was something you were into so i wanted to you know help you oh, with nice. them. Like, yeah, yeah so thanks dad so shout out to my dad who really supported my passion mm-hmm. and that was that was the blessing but it was also the downfall of cryptid Hut because you know we went to lake champlain that was the first place well fun 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 fact. Um, we drove there, this was like, I think 2007, we drove there for a day. And from where I live, it's about a six hour drive. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so we, oh. we, we, we got there first time being there and we, we were really interested in talking and speaking to a local witness. His name is, um, Earl Sprague, Earl mm-hmm. Sprague. And he did the, the wooden champ cutout. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was uh, he was also featured on one of the uh, Discovery Channel hmm. documentaries, but we wanted to find him because he, he really appealed to us. So we were just driving, just down in Port Henry, first time, just looking around. <laughs> and then we drove by his, like, wood shop, and I see him sitting in the garage, and I'm like, Dad, stop the car! <laughs> so he stops, and I'm like, that's him! That's him! So... Of course, I was excited, but I was nervous to talk to him for the first time. So, I mean, I said, Dad, can you talk to him? So, he goes in, you know, to, t- to talk to Earl. And then I walk <laughs> in, little little 14-year-old Jordan with my little camera. And just start asking him questions, which was really cool. And then we just kind of drove around, you know, just around Port Henry. Mm-hmm. And then we drove back home. And I'm like, why did we do that? <laughs> awesome. And Yeah, and... Again, I think... What a dad. Yeah, and I think he really... I think because, you know, it's just to get out and explore, which which is something that he wanted to do, but obviously you have a lot of cool Mm. pros that goes with it. And after that, you know, I kind of wanted to make a more extensive trip. So, you know, again, I can't thank my dad enough for taking the time and effort to encourage me to you know, progress with, with this field and the subject. And then we went to Lake Champlain the following year. So this is our second trip. And I made phone calls to as many people as I can. And this was the time of the internet where you can type someone's name in Mm. and their phone number pops up. I don't think they do that much anymore, but they did back, back in the, you know, the mid early days, I Mm. should say. And that's how I found Scott I just I typed in Scott Martis. It had a Vermont. I bet you know, he just
1: picked up the phone. so well. He just picked
0: up the phone. Hey. And we start, <laughs> yeah, we started talking for probably like thirty minutes or so, and then he gave he gave me the number to uh, Gary mangiacopra who I yeah. think recently. Oh wow, yeah, him. he did. Yeah, what a what a yeah, great researcher. And, yeah, yeah, he, very <clears> underrated, <throat> in my opinion. Um, and I started talking to him, and we became good friends. And he sent me a lot of like just just boxes mm. like, like like ten pound boxes of mm. cryptozoology <laughs> papers and mem- memorabilia and wow. VHS tapes and I'm like I was overwhelmed because I'm like I, I can't process all this wow <laughs> but but he I think because it encouraged Gary to see and Scott to see okay. people young people in the field that were mm. taken seriously. And yeah, I was that kid in high school where everyone was just talking about Jersey Shore and all these other, you know, sports and stuff that I Mm. I could care less about and being intrigued by these stories and, and witnesses and just this phenomena that just, just grabbed my creative soul and exploration, Mm. adventure spirit. And it just, yeah, it became a snowball and then I remember one day. I, this was actually a few months before we went to Lake Champlain. I was thinking of Sandra Mancy, and I'm like, I don't think she lives in Vermont. No, I, she eh, she probably doesn't talk to anybody. And then I I just typed in her name, and then her name popped up in a, at a Vermont um, area code. So I'm like, I don't know if this is her. I think there were two of them, but I think I called the first wow. the first. Number. So I'm like, oh, let's let's try. Is that a common surname? That seems strange for there
1: to be two Mansies.
0: I believe there were two Mansies, if I can recall. Right. I, I, no, I'm sure. I mean, I just it, yeah. I,
1: well, it's not it's not a name I've ever heard here. But of course, that doesn't mean it's not common in of Vermont. Course.
0: Yeah, right. And I was gonna call her because I wanted to have permission to use the photo. Mm. So I called her. I was so nervous, and I don't even remember what I said. I just said, "Hey, my name's Jordan." Blah 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 can I have permission to use your picture? And I don't even remember exactly what Sandra said because it was all, (laughs) I was so nervous. I just couldn't think at the time. And she was like, I don't know, something about, I don't even remember what it was, but she just said, she politely said, it just can't happen or no. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, whatever. I hung up the phone and then I'm like, what if I interviewed her? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like she said no. It's but, much better than the fire. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I can at least interview her and she was impressed by that and said, "Sure." I'm like, "Nice." Wow. And of course, the little kid inside of me is like, "It's like you're talking to the creator of Godzilla." It just, just that's just that was my mindset where I was just this because I was so passionate about this field, mm. and talking to these 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 figures that She's were a
1: piece had- of history.
0: Yeah, Basically, that's yeah. That, that's yeah. how I viewed it, and I, these are people that I looked up to mm. who are sort of, you know, they're sharing these stories, and they're not part of the mold of society in my in my eyes. Mm. And we went to Lake Champlain back. This was, I believe, July twenty fifth, two thousand eight. Mm. And we, you know, I, I, I called so many different people. We interviewed a, so many different individuals we felt just it, being in lake champlain vermont especially it, it just it there was something about it that really just mm. caught my spirit and just just the way of life there the community i mean i remember the how clean the like the air was smelling mm. <laughs> it was just so fresh and alive and it, it was it was just great you know and i i i really became friends with scott after that, um, I remember we went up to his old apartment and he had like stacks wow. of research papers. I heard
2: about that, yeah.
0: Yeah, like like, like it was like, I hate to say it, it was so barren, like the inside mm. of his apartment, but then on, on the right side, just stacks. <laughs> All these cryptos. <laughs> is, lot of-
1: what do you think about that? And that's an interesting question, Shane. Being into this for so long and having done it, I suppose as a full-time thing for the last six or seven years it's i've seen a lot of people um i've seen their lives so crumble with the obsession of the creature they're chasing often happens when people are chasing one creature not many actually i notice that's also a thing late monster research actually doesn't take hostages i've noticed that too and people actually either go off the rails or their life seems to uh all of the, the life surrounding what they do stops and they just do that. Would you say that was your impression of Scott? I know he left the lake anyway. He was living in Florida with his wife. Um, or would you say that this was somebody essentially who who got a balanced grasp upon it finally in those, those last years and went off to do something else while still, you know, doing interviews and research and everything else and popping back to the lake? Once yeah. or twice a year. What's your opinion on that?
0: The thing with Scott, I remember because the times that I did call him to like, you know, just talk about the subject, you know, I rem- I think he was at work the one time mm-hmm. and I heard like, the cashier like, ka-ching, ka-ching. Okay. So he was talking to me as he was, you know, helping customers. And I knew. From a previous interview he did on a different um, documentary, I remember he said there's not a lot of good jobs, mm. and he had to suffer a lot of bad jobs just to stay in Vermont. Mm. And it seems to me that the drive drove him to not really pay attention to that, to the cares mm. of the world, the anxieties that all of us feel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that was very interesting because to this day, I always think of Steve Feltham.
2: From mm. Loch Ness,
0: and and here and there, just recently, a couple of days ago, I was watching his uh, mm. when he was leaving his home and going to Loch Ness on his van. I think it was like 1994, 94 or something, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and I and I just listened to what he's saying, and there was, oh my gosh, like I, I, here's someone that took what he loves and what mm. drives him, and he's like, I want to do something with my life that actually means something. And what thirty years later, you you ask him Mm. again, and he doesn't regret a thing. He loves it, and that's kind of what how I saw Scott too, because Mm. you know, seeing what he was doing, it was the drive I think that just made him alive to absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I don't think that in again, I don't think that really bothered him. I think it would bother certain people because they can't get out of the rat race, and that corporate mindset of you know in the nine to five coming i have to
1: have x y and z to be happy and absolutely i mean and i I do definitely appreciate that and i know from speaking to steve briefly and i will be i will be uh, talking to him again later this year when we go to the lock um that he took this big chance but he had something to take with him when he went there and yeah. he's also an artist in a way as well in graphic designer. So he had skills he could use. You probably see the little wonderful models that he does. People post them on his page all the time. I've got one from 2012. People look at got one 30 too. years ago. You've got one. And the great photos. So there's there's that there. There's a the commerce. Everybody comes to the van in Doris, you know, beach. He talks to them. He's there. So there's this whole, it's almost like having a store in a sense. And Loch yeah. Ness has got like 250, 300,000 visitors a year for the Loch for Nessie whereas Champlain I noticed when I was there like Champlain that the commerce surrounding Champ is actually very low there's not a lot of Champ stuff going on really you'd expect for this huge place there's great water boats uh water sports and boating and all this other stuff on this in this wonderful area but I thought wow they haven't really exploited this champ thing very much here that isn't that odd so I think if anybody was based there As a researcher, it would be a little hard to kind of, you know, bring the money in, in in any other way than just, you know, having to slug it out in a local convenience store or factory or something like that, you know, working in the silos.
0: Right. And from my mindset, I think they're. The two places from the New York side and Vermont side, Port Henry would be considered like the champ, Mecca, Champ Center. Mm. But also Burlington has a few like, mm. you know, um dedications to mm. the culture. And I think because now they just announced too that they're having another champ festival in August. Oh, great. I believe that the first beginning, yeah, beginning of August, I believe. And i think because the the organizers who are running the champ festival i think that's what they're trying to do they're trying Mm -hmm. to kind of give champ you know its sense of this is where it belongs and this is what Mm -hmm. this is what happened this is almost the history of lake champlain in Mm -hmm. a sense which you know is is great and i sort of look at it too where I always wonder because I guess the Loxus monster is sort of the poster child, the, mm. the image of modern day monsters next to Bigfoot, obviously. Mm. But I think a lot of the lesser knowns, you know, they're still, they're, I guess that's kind of where they're categorized. They're the, they're the lesser knowns. They're, you know, Champ is number two or Ogopogo is number three or vice versa, mm. so, but it's always Nessie's always the tops. So I think, you know, I think the logos, or the logos, excuse me, have embraced it, but I think, at the same time, I mean, you you walk into like a certain shop. You, there are some like little champ souvenirs and
1: yeah, I got an umbrella for the kids when I was there. And, you yeah, know, like a plushy and, and things. Yeah,
0: of course. So, in a sense, I guess again, it's like a, I see it as a double edged sword too, where it would drive the tourism, but it also, in a sense, hasn't been tainted by mm. pop culture at the same time. at that
1: I see, sense. yeah, I see, you know?
0: I see. So I kind of see it that way almost where yeah i love you know going to a champ or a bigfoot festival Mm. or conference and meeting with people who are seriously involved um but at the same time as you know probably and all scott certainly too you know there's a lot in this field that are in it for the wrong reasons yes (laughs) more for themselves and I'm, I'm
1: laughing at, at and I'm reading and clear and um you know we've all experienced a little bit of that and I've I've uh, not only experienced it from that direction but several others in several other disciplines because they cover lots of cryptids and other things too over the years and I think it, it, one it's uh, it's to do with my f- failure to be able to shut up when I need to that's a problem and right. nobody likes to be sort of I suppose given the uh, the blunt truth by somebody who seems otherwise quite polite and softly spoken it takes them by surprise and um it's almost more of an offense actually than some mean person telling you they don't like you so um i don't know, you know there is that there is that but it's in every single genre if you go into the paranormal yeah. they've got it if you go into mainstream science They've got it. They're you know, the ones that, that believe, uh, you know, uh, even with, you know, uh, you know, uh, geology and archaeology and everything else like that. Dinosaurs, everything. You know, yeah. Feathered dinosaurs to the, you know, the, the pre, <laughs> din- all this stuff. Everybody's fighting each other and ragging yeah. out the other guys and trying to destroy their careers. It just seems to be human nature.
0: Right and I think there is a danger in a sense when yeah with, with any career or field you know once this becomes your identity mm. and you're known as the lake monster guy or the mm. bigfoot guy and you take that with pride and then once somebody comes in and starts you know dismantling the 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 identity you're 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 losing yourself mm-hmm. and everything that comes with it because if you don't know yourself and you only know the side of your identity as a monster hunter or a cryptozoologist, mm. then that brings out <laughs> a lot of ugliness that yeah, you know, we've all absolutely. seen in all sorts of fields.
1: <laughs> or, you know, Jordan, you could be that guy who was there from the beginning for the first 20 years when nobody cared, and now everybody wants a piece of it. And here they are tramping all over your territory. Yep, And I oh. hear people say, my sites, my locations. And I often ask them if they own the land. Out of its public land. And if they don't own the land, they'll say, well, that's clearly not yours. You're just there. And it's a research that you don't get to keep it. It doesn't belong to you. Okay. And, um, you know, a normal, respectful person, if you're occupying the area, would sort of make contact with you, ask to sort of pop along and be shown the ropes. That's a polite thing to do, but they don't really have to. They don't need to, you know, it's, it's just a courtesy call really to say, Hey, I'm thinking of popping along to places you pop along to. Are you cool with that? Um, or are we going to have problems? You know, that, that kind of thing is, it's awkward. It exists everywhere. I personally, um, don't like to hide information. There's lots of groups out there. So we're doing research and you've got to be a private member and we're not sharing it. I'm like, well, why are you yeah. doing the research then? Why even yeah. do it? If you want to discover stuff and okay, maybe don't share the exact locale because you don't want people trampling through there. If you're looking for Bigfoot and that's, that's different appreciate your results you know this is the whole point of what you're doing it's amazing and i think um i should be interviewing you but i'll just say this one bit (laughs) um i think that um we're in a post religious society in the west at the moment but we still have that need post-corporate religious society that need for religious belief communal religious belief and that's why people get so offended with these subjects because you're essentially Um, doubting or uh, besmirching their belief system. And that's why they're so mad at you. Otherwise they'd be like, Oh, that's interesting. Well, I think this and just move on.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, of course I've, it's, it's hard because I, I, there were, Carrick and I actually talked about this too, where, A lot of the people that I used to really look up to who were, I guess, my idols, who Mm. I really saw as, man, meeting this person one day would just change my life because look at them. He's looking for monsters as a living. Oh my, like, who does that? (laughs) So, you know, I I, want to meet him. I want to be his friend. I want to get to know Mm. him. And then once you start talking to these (laughs) people, and then you really see who they are, and we're not going to name names, but you really see who they are. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember carrick you know he he dealt with a lot of that as well mm. and he told me jordan i want to be the person that i always wanted to look up to mm. i, I want to bring something i, I want to be you know i want to help people who want to be oh, yeah. too yeah. and i'm like that at the end of the day that's who you're getting you're getting the mm. younger generation of monster lovers and godzilla and king mm. kong animals and zoologists and whatever dinosaur fans you're, you're getting all those people because they they want to check this field out and they want to be i guess tutored in the mm. right direction because you can easily be tutored in the wrong direction yeah when it comes to whatever and i'm not talking about flesh and blood or paranormal i mean some no. people don't like that but you know i i'm just saying as as a decent human being and finding empathy with You know, as a fellow human being, that really needs to be stated because I think we still have a lot of people who are just, yeah, they're they're, and this kind of involves with politics where it's my ideology and your ideology. Mm -hmm. Your ideology is bad, you know. This mine is right, or vice versa, and there's all this fighting. It's a
1: polarized world that we live in. Going back to what you say about the, you know, that whole. Saying you should never meet your heroes. You'll always be disappointed, you know, and that has generally been my experience in all but one or two cases. Yeah. Um, but I think it's our expectations sometimes, and we don't have a context for where they are. These guys, if they're 40, 50 years in, sometimes some of them, they're like Bella Lugosi. You know, yes. they've been playing Dracula for 50 years. Now they're hooked on smack. And it's the same conversation 10, 12, 15 times a year at every conference. And it's just, it's drained the life out of them. It's no longer joy. It's just they're yes. the image of the thing they they, they created. Yes. And I think it, it's going to be a tough one. And I often thought about that with some of the disappointing heroes that I met. So, you know what? Yeah, you know, the joy has gone out of it. You're the caricature of yourself. And that's inevitable after this length of time because of the, the issue of commerce. If you, this is a a full time thing, you have to make some sort of commerce out of it, unless you're already, um, unless you can sustain yourself by your own means, which most people can't. So there has to be this weird balance that you figure out between the sensational side of things, the conferences, and also you're out there really because you're, full of the joy and wonder of exploration it's hard and i don't know how many people survive that journey truly
0: yeah no you're right you you hit the money and i i I think genuinely too that you know the the recent conference i went to as well well not even recent just i guess in general just sort of looking at even all the podcasts Mm. and like youtube um live Mm -hmm. shows and and I guess it sort of ties in with the documentaries as well because even with documentaries, I've sort of noticed that they're all carbon copies of the same. It's the same. Is it the algorithm? Yeah, it's the mm. same witnesses. It's the same mindsets. Mm. It's it's the same. Even like I can't I can't handle watching, you know, any type of paranormal show on cable. I, I just can't do it. the sp- The spook factor is just so overdone. <laughs> mm. And I know that people people like a good mystery and spooky, weird stuff. I mean, that's kind of what got me into it. But at the same time, it's it's just been so yeah, uh, it, it's overdone, and yeah, it, it's kind it's sort of becoming now where you can go on like a Netflix or any type of streaming service and you find all the ghost punning, Bigfoot oh, yeah. shows, and it's all these scary looking things where For
1: all the copies. I can't believe it's not ghost hunting. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or Alaskan Bigfoot killer, or killing Alaskan Bigfoot, something yeah. like that. I yeah. saw the other day. Yeah, yeah. So
1: it's a bear. It's clearly a bear. <laughs>
0: yeah, and it's it's really disheartening because I, well, going back to Scott, mm. we filmed literally his last documentary in the summer of two thousand twenty-one. Now the fu- the I shouldn't say funny, but the the random fact was Scott really wanted to get Christine Hebert, who saw mm. Champ on land. Because he really thought that, you know, she's, you know, she's up there in age and he was mm-hmm. nervous that one day, you know, she might, he might not see her again. So he's like, we really need to like get her story mm-hmm. as almost like her last interview. So I'm like, okay, can you call her and mm-hmm. let's try to set something up? And I know she has been interviewed on so many different projects mm-hmm. and I actually didn't want to interview her because she's been interviewed so many mm-hmm. times. So I'm like, I guess I'll interview her again. And this is what really caught my eye with her. So we did the interview. You know, she had her her two land sightings with mm. by herself and with her mom. So oh, I was by
1: with, the shack, right?
0: Yeah, yeah the yeah. Uh, the the boathouse. Boathouse. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Um, right. And I was just kind of setting up my camera, pointing it away, setting up my tripod, and she looks down at me and she points like, "How long?" I'm like, "What?" She's like, "How long?" Oh, my wedding ring she's like in her 90s and her eye was so keen just a little detail like my little wedding ring Mm. i'm like how did you notice that so that to me really brought up Mm. like i don't think she's crazy or she's got
1: a good eye for detail
0: yeah yeah and especially at her age now i mean god god how how sharp was her eyesight back in the day so and you kind of have to bring this to, to to fact where if she's hallucinating, number one, mm. she should be hallucinating all the time if she lives mm. along the lake and seeing dinosaurs everywhere. So you kind of have to wonder that. And if someone's hoaxing her, yeah, that's maybe a possibility. But mm. in the dead of night, right by the water, who seeing knows?
1: Two dinosaurian-type um, uh, masses, you know, trundling through the water and out of the forest. it's It's an amazing yeah. thing. What happens with hoaxes like that, people who are delusional, Is they keep and i I have it with several witnesses they keep coming back with other sightings that they just remembered or that the previous one reminded them of when they were young or this or that or several different types of creatures always coming in and it's it's a factor because the delusions carry on happening the hallucinations carry on happening she's only got those two right and that's it never reported anything else ever again why not why not you say say
0: you see them every year? And you sort of have to wonder that because again, if you living by the lake, and, and I'm sure you've heard this, they have to be aware of what they see all the time. Even mm. a swimming moose or mm. a swimming deer. Because I know a lot of people assume that you know, with the horse-like head, it's mm. always a swimming moose or a deer. So I've always wondered that as well. But I guess, yeah. At the end of the day, you have to wonder what did she see. <laughs> I, mm, I just, no, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what mm. to say. You know, and then you, you you get different, you know, reports of having a snake-like head mm. or a short head with a, you know, humped body or mm. just different, different, I guess, creature reports. Mm. Ideally the same, but sort of acting differently or swimming differently or whatnot.
1: I suppose the body's in different positions, different actions right. of movement and swimming, yeah. Sure.
0: Right. And, and I always wonder too, and, and and every day it's always like, well, they definitely exist. Then on certain days, oh, there's no way they exist. <laughs> and on certain days, oh, they could exist. <laughs> I, I I don't have, I just don't have, I do have opinions, but I do have mindsets where I'm like, yeah, oh, they do exist. Oh, they probably don't exist. <laughs> and, or I just don't know. I, I just, I don't mm. know. And I guess that's the drive that a lot of people prefer because again it's that enticing mystery wh- that you know drives a lot of people um and yeah, well absolutely it's that and that's
1: the whole point it's about even if it turns out we're chasing modern day folkloric legends you know we're, we're, it's almost like a modern folklore folklore happening in real time that we're looking into or it's at least the future folklore that we're experiencing right now today even if that's all we're chasing it's still Fills you with wonder and hope, and this um this age of exploration sort of spirit that's reenergized in people and gives them hope in their lives. Actually, because when you're in the drudgery of everyday and work and then suddenly you see something that makes you think, "Wow, there's more out there, or there could be more." You feel kind of good about that. You feel lifted, and that's a nice thing. I think, and I always think, even if you're just chasing. Modern-day fairies and unicorns, Andy. <laughs> then right. it's not right. a terrible thing to be doing, you know. It at least it gives people something to to think about and to to hope for.
0: Yeah, and I I'm um that's kind of where I am right now in, in a point because again with such a polarized society, I've I've sort of begun to embrace the grayness of life, the black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, well against the black and white i embrace the the just ha- having mystery but i think mm. that kind of drives people insane especially the very you know european intellectualism where it's so we need to have answers for every single thing mm. and i remember having i had a interview with um the brother of david bentley hart named addison who is he was a, a priest in the Anglican Church for I believe thirty years, mm-hmm. um, his brother David is a very well known. um He doesn't like to be called a. I don't know if he likes to be called a scholar, but he's a he's a well known author. He's wrote a lot of books, and there is a tradition within even early Christianity about fairies, which mm-hmm. I'm like, what? And there was a very famous minister called Robert Kirk, the Fairy Minister, and. He he was a Christian, but he also believed that these fairies, like fairies, elves, fauns, whatever, was basically another, not as known creation of God. Like they are between the angels and the humans. Okay. And I'm like interesting, and he goes into this whole spiel, and I'm pretty sure you've heard of these theories as well, where even a lot of like the fairy folklore has a lot of similarities with. The ghosts and ufo phenomenon too where yeah lots yeah. yeah yeah like i i believe it was um well robert kirk he believed they were subterranean people unacknowledged uh, creations of god and he was the author of the secret common realm mm-hmm. it's called and i think and it's funny because and i i, I kind of want to get into this a little bit where robert's Theor- or i don't know if he theorized or he witnessed or but he said that when fairies die their their bodies perish and their spirits become orbs mm-hmm. so the project i'm working on right now I'm, I'm working on a bigfoot documentary about my local hometown here in the western new york area and i talked to a hunter who's had three sightings he he got involved because after his first sighting he got into it but then, as he got into it, he he started things started happening to him. Mm-hmm. Things where, you know, I know the average biological, flesh and blood crowd would, you know, mm. crucify him for. But he started have, having episodes of poltergeist paranormal activity in in his house. He did a radio show or he did a podcast. This, this was like the early days of when he was really into it. He had a book fly off his shelf during. Wow his interview his third sighting without sharing too much basically the creature that he saw it was looking under a log like looking for grub i guess mm. and i believe if i can recall he had it like he had his gun Hiding sights okay it turned into a blue light huh. he told him, like it like a blue light and i guess that freaked him out and he got out of there do <laughs> it for sure. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so but then he's also experienced many incidents of missing time. And I think it mm. his um I don't I don't wanna paraphrase too much, but I'm just trying to remember mm. exactly what he's, he's told me. But he I believe his his friend either himself or his friend had moments of missing time when they were mm. in the field researching and they couldn't explain explain it. So again, and there's other people too, like Doug, Doug hijack you know, Monster Quest, you know. Mm very scientific of flesh and blood. Now Doug's talk to me about the, the orbs and all the different things. Wild. Wild and the weird globe alien invasion of his back garden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I I wonder too, because you know John Keel, Mothman mm. researcher, he you know, he, he saw a lot of parallels with the paranormal and fairy lore. And people even describe Bigfoot as an overgrown fairy. And people describe, you know, Bigfoot doing same things in the woods like ghosts would do mm. in a house not sounds weird noises smells and everything so again i'm not saying this is what it is but it's no like...
1: but i mean it's it's worth entertaining i, I yeah, think of th- when we mentioned that when i said earlier that um i have to convince myself i'm not just looking for modern f- fairies and unicorns there yeah. is something in that and even with uh if you look at sort of angel and demon law a uh, fairy law in, in the whole fairy law from the little uh, 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 Orcs and goblins and hobgoblins and uh, uh, boobachs and all these different things that we have here and pucks and bukas. It's strange. Some of them, some of the little ones. And I wrote something about this in my book called uh, The Little People or the Hairy Fairy Folk. And it was about all these little foots. Were they really once uh, mistaken for um, gnomes and goblins and things like that? Or is it the other way around? Is that the point? And, you know, fairies come in various different sizes. Did we just identify those as those things in our superstitious past, but they were real flesh and blood creatures? Mm. Or is it now, and the same with angels and demons, that we have this sort of modern perspective, where when I say, no, that's a creature, that's a creature, and those are aliens flying around in the sky, and they are, in fact, what we always thought they were in the past. Are we just changing the... uh, the labeling of these things through every single epoch to match what we now perceive the world to be. Could that just be it? Is that really what we're doing? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, the i I don't know if you know do you know the researcher um uh Andy Colbin, Andrew Colbin? I don't know. Okay. Well well he he's a very controversial figure, not because of well I guess in the mainstream because I, I kind of see him almost sort of like John Keel where he was really against the mainstream of a lot of what's being chaired through television and podcasts and all that. Mm. But you know, he, and I'm not, this is from his own YouTube channel. So, and then I, his YouTube channel is Andrew Colvin. So he says it on his channel. Okay. I'm saying it right now. I'm not taking anything okay. up. This is what he says, but he, he shares some very interesting subjects. Um, he said back in the sixties there and I don't know I, I don't I don't know how he verified this. I've been wanting to tell him one of these days I'm gonna have a conversation with him, but he said that during the sixties the CIA used cryptozoology as a front to spy on other countries. So okay. like looking for big Sasquatch or Yeti, okay. yeah, you know, they would look go into like the Himalayas, but the front was to spy on whatever. So his, there was his,
1: talk of Marie-Jean Kaufman being a spy for the CIA <laughs> and all the
0: time she spent in the Caucasus and Russia. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because the, he thinks there's there's this whole conspiracy between Mothman and Bigfoot, which I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, okay. like w- w- what are you talking about? Like, I, I was kind of like, huh, I'm, I'm not yeah, sure what, that's what you That's interesting. About. Yeah, I'm, Talk more. And he he was basically saying, like, there were times where, so during Mothman, when when it was being seen in Point Pleasant, his family... And this is, you know, record, this is online. You can listen to any interview he gives. His family encountered it. And if I remember correctly, after they encountered it, they started getting these like supernatural gifts. Okay. Where his cousin or vice versa was invited to work for NASA or he does work mm-hmm. for NASA. Um Andrew was actually invited to, I believe, Harvard. He had a scholarship to Harvard. I don't know if he went or not, but he but they they, they something mm. intellectually, psych- psychologically, consciously. They were kind of uh, boosted, they were upgraded. Upgraded, yeah. yeah. And Booster pack. Yeah, so I mean, I've, I've heard stories like this, not with Mothman, mm. but just other phenomena too, where you, you hear stories like this all the time. So I don't know if that's true or not, but he he always viewed Mothman as a superhero that was fighting against the Men in Black. Now this okay. is him as a kid. Wow. So And he believes too that pop culturally it's the mothman has taken on a very negative dark evil Mm -hmm. dark angel entity tone which in his mind is for some reason that that is sort of the projection that they're trying to make it
1: just can't live that bridge incident down huh
0: yeah (laughs) yeah and and, in his mind (laughs) one
1: small mistake and they never let you forget it
0: (laughs) right so again i i've sort of wonder too where you know like why are certain people so obsessed with keeping the spooky factor mm. of cryptozoology? But who, who knows? I, I don't know. It sells, basically. Uh, it it sells. sells. Yeah, that's and the Actually, the yeah. flesh and blood
1: aspect of cryptozoology is a low sale. It's the low sale end of that, of that pool of commerce. I know that because it's something I've stuck to religiously for years. Yeah. And the temptation to sort of ghostify and all these things has been very strong because you see all your paranormal buddies, you know, with their thousands upon thousands of views, just because you want people to know what you're doing. And you say, no, no, this is a flesh and blood thing. And looking at this evidence and these footprints and hairs, and people are like, yeah, that's really cool. That's interesting. Anyway, more ghosts. And uh <laughs> that's just, it's just how it goes. So I think it's about that. Yeah, you know, when I I was most surprised when I first went to a cryptozoology conference in uh, in the US. It was at, it was Cryptocon actually in Kentucky, okay. and the amount of sort of Ouija board type stalls and everything yep. there. And I thought, is this like cryptozoology? Is this like a séance conference? <laughs> like, what the hell's going on? Right. It was religious in um, in tone. Because it yeah. is a religious belief, you know. It's a the it, very minimal uh, base, uh, lowest point. is a philosophy. Yep. And I was just like, okay, this is weird. You know, I thought we would be like just a bunch of bigfoot guys, a few Nessie advocates, and of on course. we go. Yeah. You know, yeah. Didn't think I'd yeah. be looking for ghost girls and all these other shows.
0: Well, they that's kind of bec- I'm sort of noticed that too. Even with like yeah, like the Mothman Festival too. There's there's a lot of vendors. I mean they. They even say too that the Mothman was a positive creature because um, it sort of brought it. It made Point Pleasant survive. Like that town is alive and thriving right now because yeah. of it. So who knows? And I, and and that's kind of the what you sort of need to get to because once you're involved in this field, you're you're going to experience all these mm-hmm. other things too. And you kind of had to come to a point trying to understand like well, what what is this and what is that? What does this mean? So I don't know. It's like, you know, yeah, that's the spookiness is what sells, you know, and my, my ideology in life, I guess, is that there is, there is mystery. There is the world, the the world can't be black and white. And I'm not talking from a negative perspective, but I I believe in good. I believe in empathy for, for everyone. And and I, I, I try to see the world. Yeah. More through a lens of, yeah, there's, like, enchantment, I
2: should mm. say. Mm. There's a
0: very yeah. big disenchantment with society. Reality,
1: for sure. Yeah, real,
0: yeah and mm. I think because re- int- institutional religion has done a terrible job, and even our education system has done an awful job, just mm. equally, they're just as bad, have really dissented... just Yeah, really... I don't want to say magic, but it, they, you, we can't even just go into... The woods and be still and listen to the birds, the trees, the wind. I mean, this is not new age. This is just simple living of life. We're, we're, yeah, this yeah, and I and I w- really wish there was a more enchantment view of looking at the world because I remember seeing an article that, that says you know left brain thinking is really what's going to kill society. Mm. This rigidness, you know, yeah, black and white, this is the right path, that's the wrong path, just do away with it all. You know, I really want to become part of, you know, a life of that acknowledges mystery, but not be so superstitious about it, but just mm-hmm. acknowledge that, yeah, things do happen. And if you want about the claim of, you know, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence... Mm-hmm. I remember i didn't brought that up addison david bellinghart's brother uh brought that up and he's like that is the stupidest quote i ever heard i'm like because you can't take something that's material you know ex an extraordinary it's material it's, it's 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 equally as extraordinary you know he i it's i think the problem he sees is seeing something that's paranormal and making it more out there no it's mm. part of society it's part of the world as Paulino says, tomorrow's paranormal is going to be tomorrow's science. You know, it's, that doesn't mean... No, but just look at some of the things we understand already
1: uh, that would yeah. have been firmly in the realm of the paranormal many, many years ago, even from a biological standpoint. I always talk to people about uh, what did the first person that dove below the ocean and, and witnessed an octopus not only take upon the, the colour of the object it was sitting on, but its shape... What did they think about that? Animal? That it had supernatural powers, probably. It was a magical creature, right? We know exactly how that works now, how it can do that. But to somebody 2000 years ago, that would have no explanation whatsoever, other than it was imbued with magical powers. Right. You know, that's it. But what other explanation could be? Look, it's a rock. Now it's turned into a rock <laughs> in color and shape, a spiky rock. That was a smooth animal. And yeah. Right. But now we're like, yeah, well, that's because the octopus has this and these photophores and that's how it changes. That's how it works. So perhaps orbs or mind speak or infrasound or any of these things dematerializing, um, cloaking, whatever people want to go for. Perhaps they're sure. just as easy to explain. If only we had the chance to examine the creatures that were exhibiting these, these, um, biological
0: powers. And I've always wondered too, like even with Bigfoot being, let's say Bigfoot is a flesh and blood animal mm. and it's in the woods, it's very smart, sure, great. But even just one misstep, it it ne- we never it never has. Well, you've heard encounters where it gets hits hits by a car or mm. just or it, people shoot at it. Yeah, that does mm. happen. But how come I've always wondered why why there's millions of trail cameras out there Mm -hmm. i mean even i would say even in very remote areas people people go to those areas specifically for that
2: reason for that
0: reason exactly and how come even a juvenile because you hear stories of juveniles being crazy and climbing trees and doing Mm -hmm. wacky stuff why hasn't why haven't we captured even just a glimpse of even a juvenile just waving or just something something it's
1: it's really it's very very troubling and i think we should have because if they are animals and yeah okay perhaps they can smell us perhaps it's the same as you know a trail cam in the woods stands out as much as somebody coming into your house there where you see the bookshelf and putting a completely new book on the shelf while you're out and you come in so straight away you go hell, something's weird here right what's going on here that's not my book yeah. And you, immediately you know your own terrain, so perhaps there's something in that, but at the same time, it's a bit of a get out of jail free card. you know they can see the lights, they sense the infrared, all of this stuff, they hear the shutters, they can smell it. well, you know it's still just an animal, even an even a chimp, even a gorilla, even a, a chimpanzee would come up and investigate that piece right. of equipment they'd investigate yes. the cats do deer do and birds all kinds of things come and check them out these trail cams this lack of a body and also you know the best footage still being the patterson gimlin footage it's it's almost it's more it becomes more damning every year that it's it by itself without any accompaniment other than todd's footage you know which is remarkable but remarkably suspect at the same time you know right Um, you know, ten out of ten for being so
0: bold. Um, well, the the wild thing is too, and this happened again here in my home state. Well, west side, west side of the of my home state, where this this woman I interviewed for my documentary. We talked I met her actually on Halloween. I think this was when was this? I met her, and she told me a story where, well, actually, it wasn't her. She so on Facebook, there's like a they have like like certain groups, like bigfoot groups of like states of like New York yeah. and Pennsylvania and such. So there was one in New York State. and the woman I interviewed was talking about her her story or her sighting on the page. and this woman messaged her saying, oh, i had a I had a sighting, and this was on this type of road." and she's like, that happened right the, the road right next to me is that road." She never met this woman. She just wow. found her on Facebook. And the woman that who said she had this encounter, this happened in the 70s. So almost like 40 50, yeah, forty years before wow. she's had stuff on her property where she was in the woods with her cousin and she can hear this thing crashing, roaring, breathing, mm. ch- running. She didn't see it, but she heard this enormous thing crashing through the woods and she was traumatized by this mm. thing. And then 40 years later... I'm talking to this other woman right up the street, up on the hill, who's having stuff happening on her property. Wow. Where her 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 horses are being affected by it, mm. her dogs are being affected by it. Where her mother is waking up in the middle of the night and sees this thing looking in the glass.
1: So that's it. I mean the anecdotal reports, that's really and the footprints to a large degree as well. But that's really the strongest aspect of this. Because you have such a, a wide array of witnesses from such varying backgrounds, many of them with no skin in the game whatsoever. I mean, they'd never heard of the Bigfoot; they didn't know what it was. They had to go searching online to discover what they'd seen. That kind of witness, or, a lot of yeah. them around. And when you when I see those people, they tell the story the same way every time. They're still kind of baffled and hoping somebody's going to tell them it's all in their head or they made a mistake. He almost wanted, you know. Yeah. I made a mistake tonight. I'm a fool, aren't I? Come on, lay it on the line now. What did I really see? Right. Those are the best witnesses to me. The antagonistic witness, the one who doesn't want to be a witness.
0: You know, my it, absolute favorites. Funny enough, I've known this guy for many years. He made fun of his wife. He's from Ohio. He made fun of his wife because his wife believed in Big Boy, but he was the skeptical Mm. you're insane i'm smart you know i know everything you're ridiculous so then one day he wanted to go hiking in one of the 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 state parks and he's like i don't feel like it this is like five in the morning and his wife is like oh you should go and he's like ah fine whatever and this is like early spring he's taking a walk nobody at the park it's just him he's taking a walk and he hears howling or whoop like whooping whoop whoop he hears it up uh, on the ridge He's like, oh, what's that? He hears another one down in the ravine. Mm. So like two different ones. He almost thought they were communicating. He looks over. This thing is standing there. It was a white colored, like a shaggy dog, like shaggy hair. Huge. I think eight foot tall, seven foot tall, staring at him. And that petrified him. Mm. This is the guy who made fun of his wife was like this is ridiculous there it is right in front of him and i asked him what did you do after that well i couldn't go back because this thing was blocking the way going towards my car and then he said and from what i remember i believe it turned around it ran without making a sound wow and i'm like what the hell he goes into his car and he's crying he's calling his wife hysterical for two hours in his car Wow, and this is again. This is the guy who thought you're insane. You're nuts. Super skeptical about mm. it. And then his wife is so excited because <laughs> just come back and he, look for it.
2: Yeah. So yeah, they yeah.
0: they go back the next day, and they find a footprint on the trail. And what was it? I don't want to mess it up. I think he he said that he saw what he described as like green barf that was on. Okay the trail and then when he came back it was gone or vice versa but he 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 was panicking he couldn't Mm. be he just had to leave and since then he he took me to the spot this was last year i believe so i'm actually making a little short documentary about Mm. it he took me to the spot he showed me where it is i stood exactly where the thing was i had to hold up my camera to see how big it was and and everything um I mean, what do you do with that? And what are the odds? Mm. He didn't want to go hiking, but his wife encouraged him to go yeah. hiking. Ah, yeah. oh, fine, whatever. He got pushed himself to do it. And lo and behold, and you hear stories like that all the time where it's just in the most, you're not thinking about it. You're mm. just doing something because you're doing it. And then. Boom. And he's
1: in the, the primary times, the dawn and dusk, the dawn and dusk times, you know, the twilight times when many animals, especially predators, are about, you know, they're about
0: good hunting he, time exactly and he told me because i was walk- i was driving with him he's just t- telling me yeah sighting happened over there that woman in that house saw this thing over there like he's just pointing out all these different s- sightings and he said there's a house that goes further down from the park where he was at where they encountered a white sasquatch white wow. colored or colored shaggy hair whatever sasquatch. It has to be the same one uh, you, what do you say that's, with that yeah well I that's the point i've talked to so many
1: people like yourself over the years who i believe who i don't believe are suffering from any mental affectation of any kind or oh. or uh, they're not seeking attention and all different types of sightings they just mostly would like you to tell them that they made a mistake that's kind of what stands out to me when that person has that aspect come on so what you know i probably saw a bear or a deer or, or whatever it is didn't I? Yeah. I'm like, well, doesn't really sound like it, you know? Doesn't sound like bear behaviour. Doesn't look yeah. like a bear. Um, don't know what to tell you. It's even weirder here in the in the UK when you get British Bigfoot sightings. Because right. that's that's a puzzler. You know? Mm. It's a puzzler. So how do you explain that one away? And people are convinced, like completely convinced, there's nothing, there are no bears here. There's nothing that could mimic something like that. Even uh even for a few seconds, there's well, some pretty I, shaggy hippies out there in the woods from time yeah. to time.
0: Well, and and yeah, yeah, and you kind of have to talk to, like, you talk to people who spend their time in the woods all their life and they have never seen it or experienced mm. it. My, my, funny enough, actually, my my uncle, I I share him these stories and he's just like, okay, whatever. Like, yeah. like it just does doesn't connect to him at all. I actually went camping camping with him. This was a couple years ago. 2019 summer 2019 and i was telling him about just you know people i've talked to and you know we're in the right setting or in mm-hmm. the cabin there's woods around us perfect time to talk about it and the following october so this is a couple yeah a couple months after he goes to the cat to the camp and he has like these um native like um Instruments like drums oh, and yeah. like being on the drums. Mm-hmm. He loves to like chant into the into the wilderness and hear the owls. It's just very he's it's very a spiritual moment for him, let's okay. just say so. He was doing that, just kind of singing and doing everything. And the next day he goes there. Either it was the next day or the next trip up, he mm-hmm. goes to his camp. Somebody was imitating his voice. Wow. In the down in, in the ravine where he heard and he, and this now a imitating a mile, his singing or his speaking voice, literally his like, imitating his singing voice, uh-huh. and he's two miles this off the bean path. This is like rural woods, wow. so he never heard anything <laughs> like that. He he lived in the woods, like he he spent a year in the woods by himself. Okay, like this is like the seventies. He's one of those very eccentric guys, okay. but he told me, Jordan, I like peed my pants. I ran to the cabin, locked the door. It was it was scary, and he's like, he's questioning, "What the hell did I just hear?" Yeah, and he's just thinking, "Sasquatch." Now I'm not saying it's a sasquatch, but this is just what came to his mind. So, and this is right after I tell him my story. So I'm like, "Am I feeding him something to so he would believe it's sasquatch?" Of
1: course, it's in the memory banks now, but I mean. With that kind of, with some of the weird people out there, you kind of want to hope it was a Sasquatch and not some <laughs> psycho down there that's been watching you and now wants you to know that exactly. they were listening to you the other day when you're doing your chance with your nephew. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's just a freaky thing. I've been at the woods here sometimes. It was a time I was up in Scotland and, um, I, I mentioned this once or twice before to a few people. I was looking for Loch Ness, actually for, for, Nessie, but I went up into the Great Glen Highway there. It's really heavily wooded. It's really, it was January, so that nobody was around either. So those are felled trees. And as I was coming down this steep incline, about two hours away from the town, so not really far, a good walk, I looked up and the incline was kind of like this. And, uh, I thought I saw a humanoid shape duck behind a tree. It was a millisecond in my mind. And then suddenly I thought, ah okay if that's real one that's either a person or the thing you're looking for and it's hiding from you so you've got two options here now either if it is the thing you're looking for Sasquatch then when it's a real animal and you have to you're two hours away from town you have to deal with that situation And it has to deal with you and decide what to do about the situation that's. Yes. Do you really want to be here? Because it's a make or break situation. Two, if it's non, Bigfoot, it's a freaky ass human hiding
0: from you and following you through the Just woods.
2: Almost and that's a worse. <laughs> that's worse.
0: Well, this yeah. this was cra- crazy story. So the guy who encountered the white Bigfoot mm-hmm. who didn't believe in anything he was going to the same park and he had a thermal camera with him wow. it was just him and his wife and this was like mm-hmm. in the dead of winter he he likes to go in the dead of winter because it's like no one no one else no one else is out
2: mm-hmm.
0: so he goes into one of like the parking lots he's he's parked there he has his, his scope on and he sees a car that comes in like one o'clock in the morning he's like who the hell is out here <laughs> even though he's out there you know looking for sasquatch the car parks in like three or four people come out of the car and this is they're part in like total darkness mm-hmm. like black and he's looking in his in his thermal camera all four of these guys are walking towards him and he gets out of there he wow. did not want to deal with that because even like I know he's told me Ohio they have a lot of drug problems too oh okay you know, and, okay. You know and they encountered a guy who they thought was planning drugs behind a rock or something oh, so, so this is like meth houses in the woods and all that kind yeah. of stuff yeah yeah okay. well especially I guess, these days now um mm-hmm. they've encountered a lot of drug people but this was i think this might have been might have been actually during the pandemic but wow. but still it's like you know you don't know who you're gonna encounter and even people who might do harm to you too it's like you know i'm not saying there's a murder on every corner no of no. course not. It's just like, you know, you just gotta be careful of your surroundings. Well, you're and- already isolated, basically.
1: You're isolated. Yeah. You're out in the woods uh, at a strange time for four individuals who can't see you
0: together, they can't start walking towards your direction, you know. Yeah. And they're not even acknowledging or saying hi or help, they're just quietly walking towards How you. How far away were they? Ooh, I think they were maybe a hundred yards or less. Okay, so that's I mean yeah. uh, Do you think they could see him or uh, I think they just turned, they went in, they turned their lights off, and then wow. they are trying to conceive themselves. They didn't, they didn't do a really good job because they were right there. But I think in the cover of Darkness, they were creeping up, but then he saw it. He got out of there. Wow.
1: it's it so, There's so many strange things that go on. We were uh, filming a documentary recently, and this is something I didn't really know about. I've heard stories before, but I just didn't think about it. We were in uh, Exmoor, which is in uh, Devon yeah. Beast of Exmoor. Yes. We were looking for the Beast of Exmoor and we were up on this, uh, sort of big mount and, um, there was a car park not far away, but like a really small one, in the middle of the countryside. People often go up there for walks and there's all these kind of, um, more ponies wandering around, you know, really cute small horses. Anyway, we we're out in the middle of nowhere and we had this drone. And as we're coming back towards the car park, we heard this kind of moaning. And I thought, what's going on there? The whole car park was full of doggers couples and whatnot that come to meet and do things and i was like oh my goodness like what the hell how are we going to get back to our car <gasps> oh, <yeah.
2: laughs>
1: so uh, one of the, the drone pilot basically um he flew the drone over and it's got a huge searchlight on one of these dgi kind of drones oh wow just, just put the searchlight down and then we heard some sort of shouting and then a, a whole bunch of car doors shutting and zooming off into the and i just thought like he cleared the car park basically before we got back and i just thought oh (laughs) gosh you know that would have been so greasy such a greasy thing and i just thought oh like these are the these aren't the perils i was expecting
2: yeah
0: (laughs) um there you go yeah it's a greasy world um well funny Crazy enough too, Salt Fork State Park, which is known for mm. Bigfoot in Ohio. Um, the guy was telling me a story where someone was just driving down, and these mm. two pickup trucks just came out of nowhere and was pinning the car. Wow! They were trying to like, you know, skin him off the road or rob him, but like, yeah, like it's been it's been happening a lot too. So again, you're you're, you're dealing with you know the paranormal, but then it's mm. like dealing with other you know <laughs> flesh People. and blood people that are that can do things too. So Yeah, the people. You just got to be careful.
1: Gosh. Um I probably will leave it there Jordan, but I just wanted to um just ask you to let everybody know where they can find you. Where can they find your films? How can they get in touch and uh, give you sightings which I'm sure you'd be very happy to receive.
0: Sure. Well, as of right now I'm actually working on a new YouTube channel. This is kind of like my um my film my youtube channel and film company it's called whispering hollow uh-huh. and it's basically i've been kind of fighting over exactly what i want to do with this channel and this is really just going to be my own journey of things i'm interested in especially with cryptozoology and all the documentaries and stuff i filmed already that I haven't seen the light in day in like mm. two or three years which i want to get out so it's basically going to be a channel really dedicated to you know folklore supernatural god but really my again as we talked about re-enchanting the world and seeing the world through a right-brained creative art lens mm-hmm. you know just really trying to get away from the negativity of being mm-hmm. very black and white but embracing the gray embracing not knowing okay which i think people really need to you know we'll find some sort of healing and you can find me on Facebook, just Jordan Warner. Um, I'm working on I'm really behind. I'm trying to get a, 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 a website and everything. I just, it's been kind of crazy, but I'm, I'm working on uh, a lot of projects right now with this YouTube channel. So I'm hoping to get out, hope maybe this weekend, tomorrow, even Monday. I don't know. We're just talking to somebody and trying to get a few things done. So uh, hoping it will come out sooner rather than later.
1: Well, I think, you know, it sounds really amazing. I, I can't wait to see it, you know, um, revive the new reformulated cryptid hunt, renamed, rebranded, <laughs> get out of there. Cause I used to love that, you know, so it's, uh, it thank would you. be good to see something from you again online. Jordan Warner, thank you so much.
2: Thanks, Andy. Appreciate
1: it.